When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Broadcasting from beautiful Burbank, California, this is the Napsock Files. I'm Ken Napsock for another edition of the program where I sit down with friends and I talk to them. And sometimes uh, the friends I haven't, I haven't seen in a while. And that can always be interesting. Before we get to that, a great interview with my pal, old pal from the stand-up comedy world, Chris Strait, who's got some comedy albums out that he's going to tell you about and I want you to check out and just has a great interesting story of uh, restarting parts of his life, parts of his career, taking chances and realizing sometimes you can stop turn around and, and maybe go back the other way and then come back around again and get on the path. You'll see. It's a great interview here uh, in a bit. Some housekeeping first. I got a, a special shout out here, all right? You guys are too nice. You guys are too nice. When I say guys, I mean everybody. Cats and uh, dogs, guys and girls, all of you. All's yes. I have got to give a big shout out to a... Um, Patreon supporter, a uh, listener, a long-time listener. He's a high-tier supporter, and sometimes at the end of the show, you'll you'll hear me read some of those names of uh, the fine folks that support the show. And, I, and I'll do it now for two reasons. One, I can't remember if I said it at the end of this episode that I actually taped a couple weeks ago. So we want to make sure we, we, we do right by the people who support the show at the executive producer level. But one of those executive producers is a, a kid, a cat named uh, Nathan, Nathan Ovendale. Uh, we know him as First Rate Nate around these parts, and he is truly First Rate. He he wrote me and said, hey, I'm going to send you some. Look for it, all right? Now, I have a, a mailbox. You can go to uh, kenapsack.com and find uh, find that mail uh, a mailing address if you want to, because uh, for whatever reason, I, I, I don't, I'm not just saying that it's lip service. For whatever reason, uh, over the years, people say, hey, I want to send you something. I want to send you something, and I didn't really have a place to do that. And there's, there'd be times I'd sneak it into the work uh, addresses. Like, hey, yeah, just, just send a, 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 attention me, and I'll, I'll get a hold of it. Uh, it. It'll be good. It'll be good. And it always worked out, but uh, that wasn't uh, the best. So I have a mailing box, 3727 uh, West Magnolia Boulevard, box 728 Burbank, California, 91505. Uh, you can go to the website, kennapsuck.com, get more information. All right. Nathan, first-rate Nate. He's actually from... Or I don't want to say from, from. I don't know if he was born up there, uh, Nate, were you? But he's uh, he resides, at least, uh, in uh, my hometown, my neck of the woods, my area, Central Coast, California. I think he's more Santa Maria side, if I remember correctly. Uh, but he, he wrote me on Twitter, said, hey, man, look for something in your uh, little mailbox, all right? A little gift coming to you. Uh, a token of my appreciation for your shows. And I'm like, all right, all right cool. Like a, like a sticker? You know, what do we got? What do we got? And I love, by the way, I love stickers. Scribbler. A scribbler, one of our listeners, sent me some magnets that I, I just I have on my fridge. I love them. Um, anyways, <laughs> it's just like an episode of the afternoons. I'm getting uh, 
caught off guard. Anyways, let me let me get this. Hold on. Hold on. You hear me over there? Okay. You guys ready for this? You guys, you, I know this is an audio podcast. I know that. I know that. I understand that, all right? Don't worry about that. Here we go. Oh, yeah. You hear that? Oh, yeah. You. Oh, sounds. Sounds of saber. This. This is a replica lightsaber. Hold on, putting it down. Very careful. Very careful. And this comes from, uh, it's made, custom made by uh, Ultra Sabers, the uh, combat lightsaber specialist. The brightest blades, the toughest sabers, the best prices. Ultrasabers.com. Giving them a shout out just because, uh, uh, just because, because I want to. Ultra Savers, uh, industry leader since 2005, if only. Anakin had their blades on Mustafar. Uh, this is the classic hero blade. This is the Anakin Luke, now Ray blade, uh, hilt, saber. Uh, wow, what a gift. And, uh, you know, look, I know down there at Galaxy's Edge, uh, they've got those lightsabers you can build. I held one. I was over at Alec, Alex Backus's house of Black Series Rebels, saying hi to him. You guys should support the Black Series Rebels boys, uh, Steve and Alex. Alex had got the chance to go, and he did pick up a blade. And it's great. It's impressive. It's good. The hilt, heavy. I got to tell you, what I'm holding in my hand right now from Ultra Sabers, I'm thinking I don't need to go to Galaxy's Edge for a long time. It's really cool. Really cool. Nate, thank you. I'm humbled by this. I'm, I'm very humbled by that, and I appreciate that. And I'm going to get a chance to shake Nate's hand in person uh, when uh, I go up to the Central Coast, my hometown, my neck of the woods. So Central Coast, it the Takes care of like five, six cities. All right. Uh, on August 24th, you heard me talk about it uh, at 6 p.m. August 24th. Uh, I'll be hosting with the, the fine folks at the Central Coast Film Society, including uh, Sarah Risley, a supporter, listener, and big movie trivia Schmodown fan. And we, uh, they, but I'm uh, helping uh, by just simply showing up. <laughs> oh, Ken. I'm showing up uh, to be part of this screening of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. I'm the special guest. It's going to be a VIP experience, book signing. We've got some books for sale, Q&A uh, as part of the event. A lot of, and a lot of people just aren't, they're going to be like, who is this guy? Why is he here? Um, some people aren't going to know me. Like, first rate Nate. I'm going to be able to shake his hand. He's uh, heading, out of there, uh, heading out there, so it's going to be fun. Um, it's going to be VIP ticket holders have reserved seating and attend a pre-screening meet and greet with me. And they get a signed copy. Of why we love Star Wars, Garbo, it's a built a galaxy far, far away. You get it. You get a VIP ticket. You get the book. Maybe you already have the book, but now you get a signed copy, and then you can meet me again, and then uh, I'll give you a sticker. Because as I said earlier, I do like stickers. Guys, that's coming August 24th. I'll be talking about that a lot. Uh, get used to it. Sorry. Housekeeping. I want people to show up there. It's going to be a fun event. And if you're like Los Angeles... Uh, based and, and you um, want a chance to uh, ask me a question or or get a signed copy of the book as well, even maybe have your own copy. Um, you, it's only two and a half hours, three and a half hours. I'm not suggesting you take a vacation. Uh, you know, it's on a Saturday, quick drive up. Maybe you stay overnight. Maybe you don't. Uh, but don't think it's uh, if you're LA based uh, or maybe even north Northern California. It's not too far. It's a little farther from San Francisco. Um, but uh, it, it, it's going to be an interesting time. You go to Central Coast Film Society dot uh, org for more information. Going to be a lot of fun uh, coming up here in a bit. Here, uh, uh, I got Chris straight in, and and uh, you guys are going to meet Chris straight and. 
Chris and I uh, are so, so funny. We're, we're really, really close in age, like months apart. And we met years ago doing stand-up comedy. And Chris, as he will talk about on the show, was a very accomplished comic by the time I met him and the time I started getting into stand-up. He already been in it for a few years, and he was a road comic. And if you're not too familiar with what that means, most comics at a certain level, you hit the road, right? And there are some road dogs, and they go out there, and they just hit the clubs, the casinos, the, um, the colleges that do all those things. And that's where you'll hear, if you go to a comedy show and you hear this next performer, he performs at uh, clubs and colleges uh, all around town. That's a road dog, man. Uh, they go out, they, they grind it. And Mark Ellis, you a lot of you listening are familiar with Mark Ellis. He kind of turned himself into one of those over time. He's, that's why you see, uh, you know, Josh and I opening the shows. That's a road dog, man. They're hitting the road. They're applying the trade outside of the big cities. A lot of uh, comics are based in cities uh, and, and will do the events. Again, most comics at a certain level, you hit the road. But there's some that just make their living and they swing back through town and they'll do a fun set and you get to know them. Maybe they live in L.A. Maybe they stick, stay around there. But... A lot of them are comics that don't end up getting the big, giant, uh, you know, specials. Uh, don't get uh, the movies. Don't get the TV shows. But they go and make these wonderful, wonderful livings and have the time of their life. It's hard, though. You're on the road um, a lot. Three, four weekends a month. Away from friends. Away from family. Away from your life. Uh, the money's sometimes great, sometimes not, you know, and sometimes you, a lot of times you're flying yourself out there. A lot of times you're putting yourself up. Other times the clubs are doing it. It, 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 it varies and you got to, no jobs are guaranteed. So it's hard. And when I met Chris Strait, he was already one of those and he was already doing it and he got into it right away and kind of went that direction. And it's, uh, it's, that's kind of the real com- uh, comedy world, you know, and I haven't been part of that just re- this year, this past uh, calendar year and even actually, well, I can't say even calendar, the last like 365, we're coming up on the, the year anniversary of uh, the Comic-Con last year where Josh and I opened up for Ellis. That was the first time we kind of uh, did that and had that arrangement and, and we hit the road with him several times. But for every time we hit the road with Mark, Mark went two more times and it is an interesting, f- fascinating part of this industry. Uh, I think the most, to me right now, the most famous road dog type of comic is, is Brian Regan, who is, is known in his specials and a little Netflix show and almost, I think the, the, the story, he was supposed to be um, Ace Ventura and he's very, he's very similar in that regard to Jim Carrey, especially some, some of Jim Carrey's stand-up. The Carrey was more into impersonations. Um, but he didn't do it. He, he's a guy who's just goes around uh, improvs and theaters and everything, performance centers around the country and beyond, uh, makes a great living and uh, gets to be home with his family and is not concerned about the top of uh, the charts. You know what I mean? And though, again, Brian Regan, very well known. But that is the, the vein of comic that Chris Strait is, and I hadn't seen him in a long time, and we revealed that on the show. Facebook friends, it's so weird. Time flies. Facebook friends, you know, you see, I hadn't, I wasn't even following him on like Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it was one of those guys, uh, you know, there's another guy named Brandon Vestal who's out there and I ran into him. He's friends with Matt Nost. If you know Nost from uh, the movie Trivia Schmodown or Collider Sports Time or Top 10 Show with John Roca. Uh, just, it's, there's a whole vein of really talented people. 
that a lot of you haven't heard because they're not on YouTube and they're not, uh, they might be appearing on podcasts, but they don't have a podcast. They're just on the road, plying their trade, and it's a fascinating thing. And, and Chris is one of those guys, and we got to sit down. And then, like a very LA thing, we hadn't seen each other in so long, but we got together over a podcast. And, and I can say that with a little bit of cynicism, uh, a little bit of uh, snark at myself. Like, uh, like a be, be a better friend, but really that's, uh, that's what happens. Um, that's what happens sometimes. And I, uh, absolutely love getting the chance to talk to him. And I hope you guys love that opportunity too. Uh, as I said before, I do want to thank the executive producer supporters of the, uh, Ken Napsuck Patreon page. Uh, that includes, uh, David Ham at DJ snacks, AKA the real snacks attack. Uh, Thomas Risling, Aletha Logan X, Matthew Simon, Bador, Matt Thompson, Tamor and his brother Abdul out there at NYC. Don along the aforementioned wonderful Nathan Overdale and Zach Anderson. Who's a young standup out there in Wisconsin right now too. Zach, I owe you some notes. They're coming, baby. They're coming. Um, that is the people that really help make the show. Everyone makes the show uh, supports me, uh, who supports me over at uh, Ken Napsack, uh, Patreon page. Uh, you can check it out if you want. Check out shows like Five Extra Minutes, which happens every week, uh, the monthly Patreon show, the TNF Boardroom show, if you're at that level, and then KZOC Radio. Everyone gets to hear me DJ, uh, play some tunes. Uh, not like a wedding, but like a radio station. Do that once a month as well. Uh, don't forget to uh, leave a review for my book, Why We Love Star Wars. I don't want these intros to the podcast to always uh, seem like commercials, but it's a little housekeeping. If you notice, I made that little change. I wanted to maybe a chance to address every week because I pre-tape a lot of these episodes. And and with this start happens, there was an episode, a couple episodes with like Jen Murrow and Janine the Machine, Janine Bryce, who uh, wonderful interviews, came in and, and, and talked with me. And I had pre-taped them so far in advance when the episodes aired. I think it was a Jen Murrow episode. I was like, I hadn't even announced the book yet and I couldn't announce it. <laughs> but by the time the episode came out, uh, the book had been out for like, you know, the I had announced it had been out for like a month and you could pre-order it and everything. So it just was awkward. And this is a chance to just kind of monologue up top. I know other kind of interview shows do that as well. And uh, now it's my turn to give it a try. So I hope you're okay with it. Uh, tonight, a little bit more of a commercial, but I also wanted to thank uh, Nate. So without further ado, we're going to take a little break, come back on the other side. My pal Chris Strait, comedian extraordinaire, coming into the studio here on the Knapsack Files. We're here, Knapsack Files fans, and the power of podcasting strikes again because how else do you catch up with an old friend? You record it for posterity. (laughs) Please welcome to the studio an old friend from the stand-up comedy world. You're going to get to know him now. It's Chris Strait. Welcome to the Knapsack Files. I am honored. Thank you for having me, Ken. How long has it been? Oh, since easily. I've actually physically seen you, probably easily more than a decade. But yeah, could have been. It I been mean, that old? 05, 06, 07, like in the old white boy comedy days yeah. of Room Five and Improv. We were all. I'd always see you at shows then, and then that yeah. was. I know my my daughter, who's now twelve, had not yet been born when that kind of slowed down. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of, I wasn't going out quite as much doing uh, the bar show or just hanging when I didn't have a spot. It was like, no, I must leave the house with purpose. 12 years old. Yeah. How many kids do you have now? 
Well, that's the that's that's, let's start yeah, complicated. Yeah, twelve, you know, twelve-year-old uh, daughter, eight-year-old son, and then yeah. we got divorced okay. uh, about two and a half years ago. And I met a woman who who was also divorced, and she has yeah. she has a son. So my stepson, or about to be stepson, is uh, eleven, and then we had a kid uh, almost a year ago. So okay. yeah, Robert is eleven months old. So I, I technically have four, three that are mine legally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you get a team. Get yeah, a team going. Exactly. No, yeah. And they, they're all, and because my ex wife was full Irish, I got a redheaded daughter, a blonde son. Hey. And my current is Mexican. So my son <laughs> has brown hair. My stepson is half Filipino from her first husband. So he's black hair. But I got one of each hair color in my house. I got a Benetton ad in every picture I take in my house. <laughs> you've, got, you've got a team, man. That is yeah. number one, just a testament to the time flying. But oh, uh, yeah. You were always one of my favorite comics back, to the, back in the day. Just a good, oh, solid comics comic man and you and you were my you and my uh, old roommate my old friend Lou Santini yeah. uh love what you guys did there and and here's how the story up you put it on Facebook hey I gotta get some news out because I got some merchandise coming out and uh, I'd love to talk about it and I was like well, I'd love to talk with you about it so <laughs> now and I appreciate you responding uh, to that I actually re- had reached out to Lou but I know his podcast yeah. has a different theme it's not really yeah yes but I love the, the amateurs and pros thing it's all but, about uh, yelling at people yes yeah yeah but no no but it's that's his thing you know yes. if, if, I, I mean he's yeah Courtney, we're, we're getting older we got to embrace the crotchety. That's yeah, what it is. Like, in fact, yeah. the, the people didn't see this, but when I walked in after, we literally had matching gray beards, like, have, like in the exact same spot to the point where it's like, uh, where are you from? Who's your mom? Like, we're going <laughs> like, to, if we were related Martha, or something. Is your mother named Martha? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah it, and it goes gray in the same spots where you yeah. get the mustache is still dark, everything else gray. Mine went gray where it was lighter first. Like, I grew, yes. I grew out of goatees when I was a kid because the 90s grunge or whatever. That oh, was yeah. my commitment to Some that. Puka shells, man. Yeah. <laughs> everything, all my hairs were black or brown, except there were a few red and blonde ones yep. wherever those were now is all gray <laughs> that, there's the yeah. science because i my chin used to be all red and that yeah. that went gray first but it's the sides my friend i yeah. in the last six months suddenly poof all is gray on the sides i it's over yeah no I, and my chest actually probably went before my beard <laughs> but thankfully the pubes have held strong so strong. those are the sad ones that you, you hear don't want to yeah. face that yeah. that's uh that's awesome how long you uh, been doing stand-up comedy it's, and that includes coming and going I mean, almost to the day, 19 years, but I, ne- I never actually ever officially stopped. What happened was, I mean, I actually, I moved up pretty quickly in the road game. Yeah. Four years in, I was headlining B rooms, B clubs. Right. And I, I mistakenly thought that that would translate into the club or Hollywood or industry scene. Yeah. I'm from LA, which you think would help, but it actually hurts because yeah, yeah. LA natives don't like Hollywood and we try to avoid it at all costs because it's, you know, overrun with transplants who are doing yeah. everything wrong and they park, Boston comics, they yeah. park everywhere. Yeah, the Boston comics usually head for the beach of Eventually they get it right, but I mean, it's, but it's a lot of, you know, I mean, they run half the bars. There's all these Patriot bars in Hermosa. Yeah. I'm like, ah, you found it. But, um, <laughs> no, no, it's, I guess that's the same thing. When I went and did shows in New England, I'm like, I'm going to go here and do everything wrong. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to eat a Dunkin' Donuts way too much. Cause that's what the TV said I should do. So true. But no, but in LA, we just have that love hate relationship with yeah. Hollywood. We like the attention, the money it brings us. So I didn't hang out at the clubs enough. So I kind of became like this, right. you know, LA native road comic that wasn't do, I, I was on true TV for a couple of years on World's Dumbest. Right, 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 and I did right. some panel stuff and other stand-up stuff on Laughs on Fox and things like that. And right. That's actually, my first CD came out in, in 2011, my first commercially okay. available one. I'd sold stuff on the road. Right. And then, yeah, I mean, in 2012, I kind of got started, you know, it took like a day job and kind of was getting off the road, kind of getting out and to, still doing shows in town. Right, right, right. Then 2016, I was going to say, you know what, I'm only going to do shows if I'm invited. You know, okay. and, and I had been kind of doing that already. I did a college gig at uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology in late 2015. And that was my last time on the road. 
And then by like November of the next year, I think I'd gotten on stage eight times that whole year. And this oh, is yeah. right when I'm a huge fight fan. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Muhammad Ali had just died. Trump had just gotten elected. The the uh, the club Cubs won, which was which was happy, but the Dodgers had lost to get them there. Right, so right. and then was it? Oh, I, I, in that I, order. Yeah. No. And I and my wife and I were kind of we'd been estranged or not happy okay. for a while, and, and it just it hit this depression just hit me. You know. Right. That was also that you know, Carrie Fisher, George Michael, uh-huh. Deborah, all this celebrity it, death. Uh-huh. It was just a sad dark time. <laughs> And literally, it was like I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating, and I'm like, you know right. what? I gotta to save my own life. Gotta get out of this marriage. I'm not happy, and I'm gonna go back to stand up. And I just and I ended up about nine months later when I was living on my own. I did shows in South Africa, so I had to actually oh, wow. polish up the act beyond the bar show thing, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and get good and do it. And I went down there and I loved it. I had a great time for like a week wow. and a half. And I came back, and a girl I'd been on a couple dates with, she and I got really close, and we moved in. And yeah. and I, but I was still trying to make it work in the real estate game, which a few other yeah. comics that we knew had Joey Rockenstein, Joey Rockenstein like he's doing yeah. very well. I worked for a real estate auction company, then it kind of segued into commercial, which is okay. like less pops, but bigger when you get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I wasn't getting any of these pops. I'm running out of you money. Should. And then, you know, and then no I find problem. out yeah, I, I was tr- working as a transaction coordinator. I hated it. I got in a yelling match with this egomaniac. I mean, people that make money <laughs> in real estate, so many of them are train wrecks in every other aspect uh-huh. of their life, which in showbiz, I'm used to. <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> for surely. So, yeah. but it was like, but working for these people, I remember the last draw was I thought I was working as a transaction coordinator. I'm like, okay, yeah. that's something nine to five practical. Yeah, yeah. Still do shows Get home in night. time. Yeah, First yeah. time I'd ever done a nine to five, like the, like full gig, you know, even the yeah. auction company was commission only. I could come as go as I want. This one, I had to be there. And within the second day, I realized I'd been duped. I was a personal assistant. You know? <laughs> so I was just waiting to just chew this guy out. And I finally did it. And, and you know, and he, uh-huh. He didn't officially yeah. fire me, but he did. Yeah, you know, so I led, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I, and then like three weeks later, I had done like one cruise ship seven years earlier, but I kept that relationship with those agents. Okay. And I said, we're doing a showcase. We, we tried to do it last August, but the Floyd Connor fight ended up canceling it because it was in Vegas. Right. They rescheduled it eight months later. I would go out there. Sure enough, what's happening in Vegas that weekend? Golden Knights are in the NHL finals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, win for losing. Yeah. And they're like, you go, oh my God, you're going to cancel again. They're like, no, 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 no. Just prepare for your crowd to be 70% women because all the guys are in the bar. It was hilarious seeing Vegas turn into a hockey town. It but, was, yeah. yeah. But I did these eight minutes set in front of three cruise lines. All three of them had booked me for multiple weeks within a month, okay. which I was not told would even possible. So I, I, all of a sudden, it's like I told my, I looked at my girl, I go, you know, I, I, I can't take a job now because I got to right. be gone in the yeah. fall to make this work. She goes, I'd rather have you doing what you love yeah. and gone occasionally than here working a job that you're miserable. Cause I mean, I, and, and it's That's true it. about me. I, my miserable spills over. I don't, compl- yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> compartmentalize my misery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably why you're a good comic. Number one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that. absorb it all and spit it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, but then, then I did the cruises. It went well. All three yeah. lines have rebooked me and you're, yeah. And you're back, baby. Yeah, you're back. And I'm back and I'm back into it. Ironically, my back, having yeah. back surgery, was the reason I canceled so, a bunch of cruises and quit doing it the first time seven years ago. So, but, so yeah. divorce, uh, oh, kids, yeah. back surgery, uh, trying to do right by getting a nine to five. <laughs> yeah. These are all things that would probably take someone away from comedy, but uh, provide you with a lot of material on the way back. Have well, you, on have the way back, changed? I, yeah. I had forgotten. I didn't, well, also, I was like dealing with a lot of anxiety the first yeah. time around, so all the travel and all that. I just couldn't deal with that then. Mm-hmm. But after mm-hmm. having overcome more things, you get more confidence back yeah. in yourself, finding the right cocktail of meds, whatever it is. <laughs> and um, no, so now I can handle the, the 
crazy red eyes and try right, to sleep right. it off the next day and whatever. I just I just put up with it because now I've seen how bad it can get. Yeah. yeah. So I very much appreciate being able to make a living because I yeah. mean, where the for those I mean, yeah. I'm sure you, you have comics on all the time, so I'm yeah. sure your listeners already know this. But the pay in the club scene is going down and down and down, and the. And, and the well, I mean, not for big names. I, well, I don't think we know. I don't know. I'd love to talk about that because there's also yeah. a difference between uh, you know road comics and uh, those oh, who and really hit the, yeah, the road yeah. dogs. There's a lot to the business. I don't think I get to well, talk about. Uh, there here. are a lot of clubs that are staying open, but they're doing it. It's almost a regional phenomenon now because yeah. you know, whereas I used to fly to Houston for 200 bucks and I'd make yeah. 1,100 for that weekend or something. Yeah. That weekend became nine, and the flight became four. Like little by little, that got chipped yeah, away. Yeah. And cost a living living here. You know, yeah. I mean, oh, my you ex-wife, we had a four bedroom house in Hawthorne. We're trying to pay a mortgage on that and she yeah. was working when she felt like it you yeah. know so that kind of thing doesn't work <laughs> no my fiance now she has a more steady job and it's kind of sure. like it's sure. just, my situation now lended me to going back into it and ironically cruise ships for the older whiter mm-hmm. capable of being cleaner and dirtier guys it's not what it once was cruise ships yeah. used to be you had to be clean the whole time you're playing oh, the yeah. blue hairs and that was it now yeah. with carnival running most of the ships in this hemisphere and yeah. just with lines like Royal and Norwegian taking more of a comedy club aspect. Okay. I haven't worked either of those lines, but I mean, it's, you, you can be a road cop. You can be in your thirties and be a boat act and make triple the money you would make before. And you're not really compromising anything. And you, yeah. So I went back through the old act. I kept writing. i I realized I still had about an hour that I liked. Mm-hmm. I added another hour to it. And as it's I was ton, doing it a lot and Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but 19 years in, you just accumulate. You this it. wasn't some huge superhuman. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, when I started doing this show, and I'm recording, you polish it. You know, sometimes yeah. 10 shows in in in, uh, in like six days in, in a, shifts, on yeah. a carnival cruise sometimes. And you're locked there. You're there. You're yeah, there. no, and you're there. And that's it. And yeah. all you, you write during the day or whatever, and you and you, or you, and you uh, go up at night, and you get yeah. a lot sharper. Yeah. So I started recording the bits, and because you have clean and dirty shows, I could clean and dirty the CD up. And I realized, wow, I've got easily two. And then I looked over and I go, wow, I got a third. So this year, that's what I'm doing. I've already released yeah. two that are out. Personal growth. That's uh, that was in April, and one that just came out a few days ago. Uh, incorrectly correct, which is exactly what you would think. Well, that's yeah, that's exactly. the R-rated one. The personal <laughs> growth is a joke because I'm six six. Yeah, but uh, that, the picture on the CD cover is me looking like I'm holding up a giant sequoia with yeah. a hole in it. But and the third one is yet to be named or yet to be recorded. But it's it's I've committed myself before December 31st. I will have released three CDs, that's... comedy CDs of about 40 to 45 minutes of material each one. That's on, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. a BC media or next round entertainment. That, that, that's like, that's like the Beatles in 65 uh, cranking out three great albums. Yeah. Man. No, no, that's, I, that's, that's great. That's when I was the biggest Beatles nut when I was a little As kid. Am I, and, yeah. and I was so spoiled. Cause like when I looked at artists after that, I'm like, Oh, an album a year, and yeah. you're lucky to have two hits. What is this? So no, I, I thought what Seven happened to, later. I thought what happened to the Beatles and Def Leppard happened to everybody. Yeah, like yeah, you had eight hits out. out of your twelve. Right. <laughs> uh, where, where can you find them again? Well, I want people to get well, these yeah, albums. Yeah, if you put my name into any of the I, Amazon, mm. uh, yeah. iTunes, I've also written books. They'll pop yeah. up for Amazon too. But um, mm-hmm. no, there's uh, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora. If you put my name in any of those things, yeah. uh, the, my old CD from 2011, as well as the two most recent ones, will pop, pop up. up. And uh, so you can, and they're all they're like seven ninety nine for the whole CD, like fourteen awesome. clips. So it's it's really well priced. I love it, my friend. You're putting the work out there. When did yeah. you use nineteen years ago? You start comedy. You're you're L A SoCal local. Yeah. What makes you get into entertainment? Number I one, always remember when I was eight years old, I would listen to to Smothers Brothers albums and yeah. Bob Newhart albums in my love it in my parents' house. And I and and my third grade teacher would like give me the room for five minutes, like once a week. <laughs> like every- and I and I would bring because these are sketches. These guys. 
it. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't just one guy. Yeah, yeah. You're so doing I would yo-yo like yo-yo get man stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'd get like unwitting members of the thing to be whatever. I had them. Like, I recreated something from the Muppet Show once, where I was the Swedish <laughs> chef and I had to do the accent. And then you know, I switched schools, moved, became the white yeah. guy in the black neighborhood, was bullied a little bit, and kind of lost that yeah. confidence, but yeah. regained, but gained introspection because yeah. of that. You know, where that, you grew up, Inglewood was it? Inglewood? Inglewood was where I was born. Okay, I had gone to school younger in Westchester, which is more okay. diverse. But then moving to Ladera Heights, uh, it was 50-50, but the 50% white was all old. <laughs> it was all right. my, my parent, my mom had grown up there. Ironically, now it's re-gentrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's one of the, it's the ground central, like not there, but like Baldwin Hills and Crenshaw. Right, right. It's ground central for that anti-gentrification <laughs> move. And I love to get in their face and go, you freaking hypocrites. I was here when you guys were the ones that the old white people were going, there goes the neighborhood. Yeah, you don't yeah, get yeah. to flip the script now. <laughs> I was here first. But uh, so you, oh, yeah, yeah. sorry, you performed comedy early yeah, on in yeah. the classroom. That's where it does. No, and, and believe going. it or not, I knew I wanted to actually do it when yeah. I was probably about 13 or 14. Back then, every station had wow. a stand-up show. People that are 30 or under don't remember that, but I mean, mm-hmm. MTV, VH1, right, right. A&E, Fox had about two or three. I mean, you could watch, that's actually what killed the pay in the clubs, is that people could watch stand-up yeah. every night of the week without leaving their house. Oh, yeah. So that made me a huge fan, but I didn't have the courage to actually get on stage. I used to hang out at the Santa Monica Improv when that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 17, 18 years old, it became a Hooters later after that. <laughs> But uh, no, I, but I didn't start till June of 2000, where I was like exactly 19 years old. Yeah, okay. I was 24 years old. And I know a lot of people talk about comedy classes and how they yeah. don't help or whatever this and that. And you know, no, they didn't help me write jokes, but sure. they tricked me into getting on stage because they yeah. made me pay for a showcase. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I got to get my ass on stage now. So it, I did a couple of coffee house things, yeah. did improv. It went well. I liked being on stage and I, yeah. I, I had always thought like comedians, but I mean, how many times after a show is someone who's not a comic come up to you and go, oh, these are my people. I think yeah, like yeah. a lot of people think like comics, but will never get on stage. Yes. But for me, it was like, I actually saw the, okay, I can. Uh-huh. you know, hold this charisma. Uh, I, I have charisma here, even right. if I don't have it in other aspects of my right. life. I can, <laughs> I can hold this crowd. That's yeah. every comic here. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, you're so weird and quiet off stage. <laughs> um, when, did, when did you feel, and that's one of the things I, I, I will say, I picked up a, about you early on. It's uh, here I'm doing these shows, Weekly Room 5, the White Boy yeah. Comedy, uh, a lot of bringer shows, those kind of things. And, and here comes, you know, you, tall, six six uh, Chris Strait coming in here. Uh, but you were on the road, you were working, you were making a living at this. And I noticed it was different what you were doing versus a lot of the other ones here. You weren't out, out here produce, uh, chasing the sitcom deal, not that you weren't no. on some level or you wouldn't or take wouldn't one. wouldn't want it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you were you were a comic. You yeah. were what I grew up watching, because I, like you, were about the same age within yeah. a few probably months the way it is. I used to watch uh, all the stand-up shows on Channel 11 at night with my dad. Yeah, yeah. You know, Wayne Cotter and, and Gary oh, Kroger yeah, hosting yeah, guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. Live on the Sunset Strip. Andy Bumatai yeah. and, and Henry Cho and all those guys that were on back then. Watching yeah. Denton, yeah, Dennis Wolfberg. Uh, yeah, go he lived so. in Culver City. And yeah. when I, the year I graduated high school was when he had passed away. I and like know. a lot of the people knew his kids he in was, the area. Yeah, he oh, was I great. loved him so much. So when, when the, uh, what, what's the difference? Maybe we can explain to the folks. When did you make this choice of, I'm going to actually make a living of this and not just, it's not just one of the things I'm pursuing. Well, well somebody else that died in 94, actually, it was a, a, my senior year, in high, senior year in high school, all these okay. comedy heroes died. Bill Hicks died that year. Yeah, so, so, he, so we graduated the same year. Yeah, so we are the same. Yeah, fact, yeah they, I do a joke in my act about how the OJ chase happened the day of my graduation. Right? Yeah, right. And I was, Culver City High, he went right by the thing. I was, oh, he wow, drove yeah. right by it. Our, his helicopters were over it. And there's no internet back then. That, we didn't know what it was. We're like, you know, they're filming our graduation. That, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. the juice is loose. You're just in the way. <laughs> but no, no, but to, to answer your question, uh, the, yeah. um, say it again, the, 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 the not, what's that? The 94? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bill Hicks. Bill Hicks. And when they interviewed Richard Jenny about him, he had said Bill was one of the first guys in the 80s to really advance the the idea just by his behavior that stand up was an end in itself. Mm-hmm. You know, to a lot of guys, it wasn't because the, of the, it was right. the first time that we'd really seen a whole generation of Eddie Murphy's and Steve Martin's that became huge stars right. from stand up. You know, and Richard Pryor making killings in movies yeah. that had nothing to do with his stand up, but because he was, just, you know, so now it was like, you know, Richard Jenny said that there became this formula after Seinfeld and these guys where it's yeah. like, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll middle, then I'll MC, then I'll headline, then I'll get my development deal, I'll, have, I'll get a sitcom, I'll have a wacky neighbor. Yeah. And, you know, and for Ray Romano and Drew Carey, that certainly worked out. Absolutely. But by the time, you know, you don't really get discovered now. It's kind of like the, nowadays no. they, they want you to have had, and this, and this was really just kind of starting when mm-hmm. I had had about five, ten years in the business where they want to see your online imprint. They want to yeah, see right. you make a star out of yourself, yeah. then they'll take it and make money off it themselves. So I wasn't really good at, and I'm not really good at the schmoozing thing. So I didn't get adopted by any big names. I I opened for Russell Peters a few times, but I mean, we're both boxing fans. That's why we did that. And I, Eddie, if brought me on the road a couple of times and Dwayne Perkins hooked me up with a couple of TV things, but I was never, I mean, there there were great people that helped me out a little bit here and there, but I was never the guy that was like in Gabriel Iglesias's posse or in whatever. And he gets producer credits because they're hanging out. You know, I'm not, I had kids at home. I, you know, I'm not going to party till two in the morning, my sleep is important to me, you know? Yep. So I, I didn't hang out. So to me, it was like, it was really about the comedy for me. Yeah. And if I could make a living writing for a sitcom, hell yeah, I would do it. I wasn't this purist, yeah, yeah, yeah. but by the same token, it was like, I was, I was not going to be someone like an Eddie Murphy or a Steve Martin that would be content with just that. I would yeah. even Judd Apatow is going back to stand up now. He I mean, is, Dana yeah, yeah. Gould, head writer for the Simpsons. Can you get more money than that? His yeah. wife was the head of HBO at the same time. Mm-hmm. It clearly was not monetary. Yeah. He, he had this urge and he was exactly. excellent at yeah. it to do stand up again. And so I, I always knew that would be me. Okay. So when I got a chance to both, first of all, do almost everything on my bucket list that I thought I needed money for, but I sure. didn't really need money for it. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, I yeah. wrote books. I, I got, you know, certain degrees. I, I've been to all 50 States, all six inhabited continents. I yeah. did all these cool things, it was like, it starts to recede to, okay, how many of those things did you do to get them off your list? Mm. And how many of those were what you would do anyway, because you love them? Yeah. And, you know, and, and the thing is, I don't need a lot of money, but, you know, in on cruise ships or colleges, if you're younger and have a different act, are two of the places that are left where you can still make a middle-class living. Right, right. That's you know, okay. doing stand-up. Right. Uh, you're either starving in the clubs and bars or you're famous and making a killing. Yeah. Uh, the corporates, there are a few guys still. That yeah, I the corporates about, are interesting. But the private places like Gig Masters and Gig Salad and just the general... Mm-hmm. theme of, you know, a lot of Republican administrations not requiring corporations to spend a certain amount of money right, on right. things, you know, they can just stash it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you, that, that's what led to corporates being big. So there's only a few categories left. I was fortunate enough to luck into one. Mm-hmm. It can go at any second. I know that. I mean, I could sure. piss off someone in the crowd that writes a letter and they could pull my spots. That's happened to more than a few funny guys I know, but I'm in a oh, good yeah. place now where I'm appreciative and I'm creating that imprint of releasing the CDs going, Hey, here's who I am. Here's what I said. Here's yeah. what I did. And now, you know, this is the kind of thing where if I had this job for 20 years, I, and I get sick of things easily. I wouldn't get sick of this. Yeah. You know? So uh, while all the stuff's going on in your life and we'll take a dive into that there though, I <laughs> mean, uh, did you, was, was you, you said you never really left stand up where someone like me, I have yeah. left it quite like I'm out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and now here I am doing shows with Mark Ellis again. It's a weird thing, mm-hmm. but it, it, it makes it for me, it feels right. I'm back up on stage. Like, oh, 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 even, even on the nights where it didn't work. I loved it. You, you probably had the same spot. You never, it never left you. You just knew it was no. a different chapter. It was a different chapter. Like I said, yeah. for, from 2012 to 2016, I was slowly disentangling mm-hmm. and I had to, I figured I was going to 
give it one more shot. In late 2014, I pitched to a bunch of networks a few yeah. shows that me and a couple other comics had had. I was able to get in front of people because of their connections. Right. And when that didn't go, and I got a response back from like three different managers, including Barry Katz, that they yeah. weren't interested. Right. I politely, you know, levity in those guys. Sure. Um, and then I also, so I was like, okay, I've reached this pinnacle. I mm-hmm. can't get over the hump. You know, and I've I've done as much as I can do by myself. I've gotten the TV credits. I did stand up on national TV with the laughs thing. So I've ticked every box in stand up yeah. that I want to do. I put out a commercially available DVD. It's on Amazon, Urban right. Suburbanite. If you look for that, <laughs> and um, that's it. The joke about the neighborhoods that I yeah. mentioned earlier. But uh, no, so I had really I'd kind of done. I was disentangling, but then that's when I, I wasn't taking into account mm-hmm. the you know the happiness factor. Because you know, I would yeah, still get excited yeah. when it sounded like I was about to make a commission, yeah, you know. Yeah, so, I, yeah. but yeah, but then there's the because there was there's bigger money in real estate potentially, yeah. but the the thrill of the hunt wasn't enough to compensate for the fact that I didn't like the work, yeah. You know, and I, and I wasn't happy in my marriage, and I wasn't you know happy with the pressure of you know of all of that, and so the, yeah, I staved it off for as long as I could. But man, when it hit me, it hit yeah. hard. You know, it, it made the decision for me. It's like this is who you uh, are. This is what you need to do, and you will not be sleeping and eating well again yeah. until you go do it. Life, uh, life will take you that way. But you made some big decisions, uh, not oh, easy yeah. decisions, painful decisions. Uh, we don't have to get into all the, the gory details of these <laughs> things, but I am fascinated always with big choices and those moments and how you yeah. learn from them and overcome from uh, some of the adversity. Yeah. How 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 did you 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 you're talking about it quite like quite openly, but just like oh, no, hey, I, I knew I had to get out, but a lot of people know they have to get out or know what they have to do, and they don't. Well, do again, it. I was willing to like I said, you know what? I'll stay till my kids are eighteen, sure, and I'll I'll, I'll be fifty three, and I can get out and find love again or something, and she can oh, get yeah. out and whatever, and maybe her parents will be have passed away by then, and yeah. she'll have money, and I won't have to worry about her. I still felt this need to take care of her, yeah, you know, yeah. and all that stuff. But no, I mean, I it wasn't just the marriage; it was everything I'd let go. Everything. You know, I I had a bunch of backyard and underground boxing matches, but only had, mm-hmm. I had one official fight when I was 25 and yeah, I, yeah. I, I won it. It was around the same time I started stand up and I'm like, which of these dreams am I going to follow? <laughs> you know? And it was very obvious that physically and mentally I'm more built for stand up than boxing. I'm, I'm, I was only good at boxing because of how much I love it. There's no yeah. natural inclination there. Yeah. But yeah. Um, no, and, and at six, six, I had a real tight window of being skinny and fighting smaller guys. Right, right. But when you cross that 200 pound line, all these behemoths are in your division and I didn't want anything to do with that. <laughs> But no, but I, I even did that. Like I went back to, I had written some, a couple books on poetry, a couple on mm. boxing, one food, one travel. Okay. I've since added two more books to that. Um, and I, I, I got certified as a referee in boxing. I tried to oh, actually well, train yeah, yeah. guys and see if I enjoyed that. So a lot of things, I, th- I threw a bunch of stuff at the wall to Just cure this depression. Out. But in the oh, midst of yeah, all yeah, that, yeah, okay. I, I told my ex-wife, I go, yeah, I'm not happy. And I got to get, I, I, yeah. I can't, I don't want to stay here anymore. And we'd fought about it before, but I'm like, you know what? That nothing is changing. I've thrown the ultimatum down and you yeah. called my bluff. You don't think I'm going to do anything about it. So, mm. you know, and she was actually working okay then, yeah. but I'd had the best year I'd had at that company. I made like 80, 80 yeah. to $90,000 and she made 30 and we had nothing left at the end of the year. Yeah, and we yeah. didn't do anything ostentatious. I'm like, how did we spend that much friggin' money? <laughs> no Porsches. Where did it all go? <laughs> you know? And, and, you know, and that was part of the fight and everything yeah. like that is that, you know, it just, I didn't have the support there. Right, right. I didn't feel like I understood. And just when you meet when you're 25 and then you become 40, mm-hmm. that, those are 15 very important years yeah, of development. Are. I got a master's in clinical psych. So I studied too much about that yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> just yeah, enough yeah, to yeah. make me crazy. No, no. But uh, so I remember yeah. saying you grow up 
party, you grow together. And by the end, I mean, we didn't even agree on what food to eat, on what uh, TV to watch, on where to go on vacation. I mean, let alone the so. classic arguments that we didn't agree on parenting and finance, mm-hmm. which breaks up enough people. <laughs> so no, I literally, I stayed for, for much longer than I would have. In fact, I regret, yeah. I mean, I still, I still think back with major, if I think back on my daughter's reaction to hearing we were divorcing, mm-hmm. I, it, 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 Mm. makes me shiver now. Like, you right, know, right. And, oh yeah, and this is not easy. No, and she's yeah. and she inherited my anxiety. So when she had a couple of panic attacks a couple of years later, you yeah. know, but it, but it was like, yeah, it shook everything up. She's you know, we sold the house. She moved yeah. to Torrance. I ended up moving to Torrance too to be closer to them. Okay. But different part of Torrance. But um no, so it shakes up your life and your family. That's what I wanted to avoid. Yeah. But literally the choice was, I mean, I for that last month before I said I'm done, I'd been sleeping like maybe four hours a night, you know, and I never sleep that great, but six or seven to function, you know, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, if yeah. I miss a night, I want to get eight the next night, so you know, you know what you have to yeah, do. Yeah, I know what yeah. I, but I was, I was talking like th- waking up at two and not being able to go back to sleep because yeah. my mind is racing and I, I mean, not being hungry. I here. love food. Food is my weakness. <laughs> I, I found out I was going to Burbank. I went to, I, I yeah. planned big boy as part of my, part of my oh, route, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so it was like, I, <laughs> food is everything to me. I wasn't hungry. I mean, literally Mm. my body made the decision for me. Yeah. It was like, okay, coward, pull the trigger or you're going to die. Yeah. yeah. And that was the fear. It was like, we'll kill you right here and now if you don't get out, you know. What does it feel, when does it start feeling better? When does it start feeling like well, I made the right decision? It depends, like, because I, I dated right away. I, I don't think she's even, been on a date yet. I, I started dating right away, which I okay. got my bad dating out of the way. Got it wasn't because I thought I'd be good at it. It was just, that was my coping mechanism. Uh, where, okay. Whereas for her, I think what was more important was being in control. Sure. So she does. She has total control over the kids. You know, she right. doesn't like even me and my parents having input. You think she's going to invite okay. a potential stepdad into yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so no, I, it, it, she hasn't had a date because I think she likes the control and doesn't even want to go there. Yeah. You know, and uh, whereas for me, it was like I, I didn't have a problem with partnership. I wanted a partner. I had, I had felt essentially single for years. I, so yeah, so it yeah. wasn't like love broke your heart. You're like, no, I want, I still want it. I still yeah, want I still love. want love. I'm yeah, not yeah. against yeah, women. Yeah. It's just that I, I married the wrong one for me, mm-hmm. and I was the wrong one for her. I, we weren't when yeah. we met. We did, we weren't being idiots. We just we grew into these different people. Yeah, there's a lot of time invested in this. This was yeah, a that's just it. Is like we Vegas, owned yeah. a house. We had these two kids that we loved. You know, and my, I don't come from divorce. She didn't come from divorce, so oh, we yeah, didn't really yeah. know. That's the other reason why you hang on too long. I mean, yeah. and, and no, and my oh, parents, yeah. my parents love each other. They, they annoy each other all the time, but they sure. love each other. But no, and I, I don't know how happy her parents are, and they mm. stuck together. So it's not like they were glowing reviews for what would happen. <laughs> you stay yeah, about two stars. But, you know, Yelp, yeah. oh, no, but I mean, also, in you know, in these middle class areas, we were Hawthorne and Torrance. It wasn't like Hollywood or Manhattan Beach sure. where 70% of your parents are divorced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, here it was maybe 20 or 30. It wasn't a lot. Yeah. So a lot of her friends' parents were still together. So she, I think that made her feel a little bit weird. Yeah. But um, no, no. And, and dealing with them, my son has seemed to have handled it a little bit better, but he was only six when it happened. Okay. And, you know, but no, I mean, it's still to this day, if I, f- if we fight about something and the kids are there, they get really uncomfortable. We were sure. fighting every day with them. Yeah. Oh, it. flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. And so now that's not happening nearly as much. You just, right. At a certain point, you cut the cord and have them have <laughs> just them, raise them separately. Yeah. So you're not fighting and not getting anything done. And there's you know? no playbook for coming out of this. Uh, I actually no. like that you're saying, look, I, I, I went right back into it. Well, cause you say when it gets better. Well, yeah. I mean, I did, I found, you know, love again about nine sure. months later. And okay. I mean, that was good, but we still have our issues too, obviously, sure. but mm-hmm. she's, but she's an entirely different person. It's a better fit for me. Yeah. And uh, no, and it, and it, it's a constant case of it feels, it becomes more, I still have moments where I, I go, Oh my God, is this really reality? Am I really oh, not wow. in that marriage anymore? You oh know? yeah. I, it be, Cause it was you for so long. You how know, long, how long total? We were together 16, married 13. Oh yeah. That's, and that's a long time. And she came out of the same thing. She had yeah. married a guy who like, you know, wouldn't, 
you know, touch okay. her. And he was, I think, closeted gay is what it was. Okay. But, and I mean, and so she thought it was her and she didn't have a lot of confidence. She gained a lot of weight. And, and I admired how she had lost all the weight and became yeah. a marathon runner and she'd overcome fibromyalgia. She was wounded in the war as a war veteran. Oh, she wow. nearly died. Her Jeep blew up. Everyone died but her. I got to get her here. Get yeah, out of this exactly. chair. I mean, I mean, bring her along. I'm like, I'm not, I mean, my stories of going overseas are, I told jokes to the troops. Like, it's over in two seconds. No, but she, she's, she grew up South Central with an absentee abusive father and she sure. graduated from college at 17. She was a freaking prodigy. Right. You know, and uh, nearly died in the war and she'd come back from so much too. I really respected that. Yeah. I had a lot of respect for her. And that was what I realized. It was like, my ex has had it way too easy for all of her life. You know, even easier than me. And, yeah. I, and I, because I was hit, but I was hit with, I mean, people look at white males and don't think we have a lot to deal with. But you saw, sure, I grew, sure. up, I grew yeah. up in a black neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. You know, just because I didn't have the classic things we think of like divorce yeah. or drug addiction or minority or woman doesn't mean I didn't have adversity. It was I, just individually yeah. based. I always say our problems are still our problems. <laughs> it's, so it's, there's it's, other problems that are bigger. It's yeah, individual. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't blame it on a category. Yeah. But um, no, but it's individual problems. But uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like I dealt with more and overcame more and it wasn't a match because she really had. She had. And no, and, and she didn't want to market her business or get a job on the side when things were were low and you know she worked associated yeah. with real estate too she was a home stager okay well i mean 2007 to 2013 the real estate market was in the toilet yeah. so nobody was using her and she did nothing about it i, I had a booking business i was booking yeah. comics and casinos and bars yeah, that's right i you, did yeah I, I had a bunch of uh, yeah. but they just never lasted so that i wasn't able to keep but that's i made more more money doing that than leaving the road you know yeah, yeah. and i and uh, i took other jobs on the side there were times i had anywhere from three to five little part-time jobs here right. and there while she was just sort of sitting around and, and it's, it's and and she saw the toll that was taking on me and still didn't change. And so at that did. point, you don't feel like you have a partner. That's probably so. You know, and that's the that's the issue. But you yeah. know, and, and at a certain point, you're like, I'm committed to something that doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, wow. That I mean, that's impressive. Though I love I love uh, hearing comeback uh, stories, and and, yeah. and, and and it's not perfect. <laughs> As a fight fan, I love them too. Yeah, They're always it, great. Yeah, it, it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. That's not what uh, any of these things in life are about. It's about this feeling, and just it's it's interesting to tell me that life took you this way in yeah. a way whether you wanted to or not it was going this is where we're going no, so th- this is where yeah. we're headed and and, and okay. for the first couple of years it seemed like it was part of my denouement i mean yeah. last last august literally five days after my son was born which was a surprise also oh, okay. uh, long story short fibromyalgia meds and birth control don't mix <laughs> but uh, birth control pills but yeah so she we had a kid quicker than we were thinking we already had li- moved in together sure. but okay. he was born in august and my best friend who'd had cancer off and on for nine years but it was coming down the sort of he passed away five days later our last wow. conversation was me telling him about the birth wow and then four months after that this last december a childhood best friend who i hadn't talked to in 20 years because like my next door neighbor he died too you know he'd oh, had man. some uh, drug addiction issues and okay. mental health issues. So, you know, and my uncle was 42 and he died. So my 43rd birthday in January was uh-huh. more milestone-ish than a 43rd <laughs> birthday should. It was like, you know what? I've come out of this yeah, and I've been painfully reminded of, you know, guys who didn't, who weren't able to come out of it. Mortality and through, face. Some of them, you know, and through no fault of their own. I mean, they yeah. fought it the best way they could, but it was like, for me, I've been given this sort of second chance uh, when I just became a totally different person about it. I mean, the me of 10 years ago would have yeah. already blown the yep. cruise ship contacts on all the travel crap that's happened. Sure, sure. <laughs> I would have oh, gotten yeah. in someone's face over not giving me back my passport. I would yeah. have gotten in someone's face over losing this, over doing that. And I mean, I mean, not that the people yeah. that work there aren't totally sweet about it, but yeah. it's just, no, but I mean, there, there are, 
things on the business end of that that yeah. a lot of artists don't deal with well, yeah. you know, when you're working for the corporate structure. Whereas now it's like, I welcome it all. If it's any easier, could you please do this? But I'll do it the other way. To That's my way of approaching everything. Yeah. It's like, here's, I'm not going to be quiet because you need to know if there's an issue, yeah. but I'm going to be friendly and I'm always going to put it out there that I'll do it the original way if it's yeah. easy. And that, that, that has, that comes from dealing with egomaniac real estate agents. That comes from yeah. managers who don't know their ass from a hole in the ground in comedy. That, that comes from everything me going, you know what? These people yeah. put their faith in me. I'm not going to make them sorry. Some some time and perspective and uh, a lot of things working there. Where How do you feel uh, your comedy is right now? I know you've got 20 years of material, but you as a performer, have you come out different, bigger, better? I think I fit my act better now. I mean, I think I, you know, I, I did, interesting. I did drunk bits and and stoner bits because that's yeah. what I was getting drunk a lot in my twenties. But sure. it didn't fit me or my answer. I mean, I'm a mm-hmm. tall, deep voiced white guy. Yeah. That yeah, I. And we do better older. (laughs) Nobody, we sound like, dude, bro, in our 20s, and everyone makes fun of us and they they don't like us at all. Or like, what are you doing over, you know, whatever part of the country you're from, young, especially white guys, and even black guys too. Like, no matter what you're accomplishing, people just look at you like, what is wrong with you, you know? (laughs) And so I just sort of feel like guys with energy really fit their youth better. Sure. You know, or goofy looks or whatever. I was introspective. I was talking, I look better in a suit than out of, I don't wear one that often, but I look better in a suit jacket. People, People think, and I have taught a little bit here and there, but uh, people say, I look like I'm your history professor who just got fired and I got to teach <laughs> one more class. That's pretty much what a stand-up show with me is like. <laughs> more your history professor is about to get real with you because he just got tenure and he's leaving. <laughs> you know, that's that's the way I approach the stage. And I think now with, you know, the gray and the beard and, and, yeah. I think, uh, yeah. and the sound of my voice and me having kids and me saying, remember when we did this or whatever? It fits me better. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some, you know, princess cruises and Holland cruises. I mean, sometimes... They're younger and have good energy. But I mean, there's other cruises you'll get on that are like, you know, the average age is deceased. I mean, they've been, or no, or, or they, hey, right. you do a welcome aboard show at 930 and they've been traveling all day. I mean, literally, I got out there once. There's 25 people and six of them are visibly asleep. Nine, Before wait, I've said one word. Wait a minute, you're talking about 9 30 in the morning shows? At night. Oh, okay. okay. No, 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 9 30 oh, at night, like, but I'm whoa, saying whoa, whoa, whoa. they've been up, they're in their 70s. They've yeah. been up since five in the morning because they didn't, they're not from LA. They flew to San Pedro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the, the princess in Holland, you We're could love Wichita. Yeah, here, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Carnival, you're always going to the Caribbean. But, oh, yeah, but it's, but no, it, it, but yeah, so there's times that I get there, oh, wow, I'm too young for these people. But yeah. I've, but that's the thing about being at this age, I still don't feel that. I can still reminisce with them yeah. about the younger generation because I'm not part of that. I love that answer, man. It's a good in between, but yet I don't yeah. feel like I'm older, out of touch yeah. when the younger crowds. Yeah. Now I still lecture them because I know they've been taught that like words are buzzwords that you shouldn't say, uh-huh, which uh-huh. is a horrible thing that we made fun of. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. the generation before us would never have tolerated. But I grew up with Mel Brooks comedies. I'm sure. not hiding from words. Yeah, 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 you know. So yeah, the idea. So when I attack that, like they're they're young yeah. enough to know. Like I'm able, to, it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Can I make these older people reminisce about it? You know, okay. can I make them realize that I don't have any like vitriol? I'm not angry. You're not angry, but I'm telling them it's like, okay, here's wh- why, and here's the explanation. <laughs> I've gotten off stage, and a few, and comics mean this as a compliment. You know yeah, this, yeah. like they'll come, dude. It'll be like an all Alabama or Georgia yeah. crowd that's emptied out half drunk into the room and I'll get done with my set and it'll have gone really well, right. but they'll still come up to me. People are going to have to go, dude, you are too smart for these people. <laughs> and that's a better compliment almost to me yeah. than you killed it. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway, I heard the reaction. If you tell me I killed it and I didn't, I'm not listening. You know, yeah, I was like, yeah, that wasn't yeah, a great yeah. one or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I'm my own harshest self-credit. Like if, if they give sure. too many lulls, I consider that a bad show. Then I think yep. back later, there were some really good laughs in there, yep. but it was a, 
No, yeah, um, uh, I just know, experienced that myself. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that was a horrible show. No, it's like, well, there was silence at some point. Uh, yeah, at yeah. some point, because that's what you remember. Yeah. But no, but when they come up and say that you're way too smart for these people, what, what uh, they're trying to say is I'm stretching them thinking, but it's still about yeah. topics they can relate yeah. to. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. I love that answer. I love the this thought of, uh, you know, you finally have grown into yourself because that's a good reminder too, especially for young folks searching and, and sometimes success will come early and sometimes it's a success and that will change. But but there is some uh, in comedy there seems to be a reward for uh time yeah. <laughs> patience no and there's learning. a reward for longevity i mean they yeah. keep doing the same thing they keep trying to make stars out of mm-hmm. either somebody for like a unique look right. or a unique background yeah, yeah you know and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't yeah, yeah. But, but um no but i mean it, it, the truth of the matter is even in like the last 10 years when they were comedy central was trying so hard to make yeah. stars out of White guys with big beards and goofy hair <laughs> or minorities that just had all minority. And you could tell these guys, I, just like, I yeah. know these guys, they're funnier than that. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they do material about normal stuff. Yeah, yeah, but but this when they what... get there, the network suits are telling them to only talk about being Indian or whatever they are. Right, right. You know, it's like, so they were even being presented incorrectly. Yeah. You know, like Greg Giraldo. Greg Giraldo, how often did he mention being Hispanic? Hardly ever. Right. You know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so it was like, you didn't need to rely on that. But, uh even during that time, the people who got the best ratings, yeah. the best one-hour specials that were the highest rated five, ten years ago, it was it was they made stars out of Gaffigan, yeah, Louis C.K., uh-huh. Bill Burr, Pete Holmes. Can you get wider than these four <laughs> men? I, I don't think you can. So I mean, it, truth of the matter is that it wasn't that the white guys are funnier. They're not. They're, we're not any funnier than anybody else. Yeah. It's just, but there is no shortcut for them. Right, right. They right. had no weird hair. They had no beard. They weren't gay. <laughs> they didn't have a guitar. They weren't super good looking. Right. You know, uh, so it doesn't have to be a uh, gender or minority thing. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't gay. There was nothing. They had to be funny. Right, you know? right, and, right, and, right. And what a lot of people don't realize is even if you make a star out of somebody because of a niche, if the jokes aren't there, they're not, not going to last. Yeah. I mean, you know, they yeah. talk about Chris D'Elia or Whitney Cummings. It's like, oh, their careers were guaranteed before they spoke one word. They had so many connections. Yeah, but you'll notice they still had to put they six, still... seven, eight years in before we knew who they really were. Yep. They were getting a lot of shots, but until they had the time, they could not yep. send them out there. And I love that about stand-up, that there's a shorter cut, Ship, but there's it's... no shortcut to get really there, and there's mm-hmm. no way of sustaining a career not being funny to at least one major demographic. It is that justice thing, the pure justice thing, that uh, Colin Quinn talks about in the uh, comedian documentary Seinfeld, about there's just, yeah. you, know, you could be Nicholson in your prime getting on stage and people are going to love you, but if uh, two minutes later you're not funny, they're yeah. not going to care that you're Jack Nicholson. It, Jerry Seinfeld said it, he goes, it said, it, no one is judged in, in modern society yeah. more frequently than a stand-up comedian. Every yeah. 10 seconds you are rated. Yeah. You know, and yeah. it is. It's, it's yeah. like, but there's a freedom in that. It's like, okay, these two didn't work, but I got 20 more coming. And yeah. if we get 15 out of 20, this is still a good day. It know? was, it was during my darkest moments. I, I remember kind of even losing on stage at room five. Just say like, I am, I am funnier than any of you in the audience. It's just not right now. Yeah. <laughs> and you, but you're going to think forever that I'm not. Yeah. So it's frustrating. Uh, before we get out of here, there's a couple things I want to talk to you about anxiety. anxiety. Yeah. You, you, you open about your struggles, struggles with anxiety. Now I've been exposed to that. I, I myself not anxious like anyone else, you know, I went to a kind of a new gig this morning. I was anxious. That's not anxiety. No, and, no, no, and it's no. definitely something that can affect you, especially when you're going through these big decisions. Uh, how have you lived with this? Well, anxiety and depression. Remember, I studied it and I experienced it, so I have two different perspectives. Yeah. But yeah. no, anxiety and depression are both words that we use to describe a state that everyone experiences, mm. but they're also used to describe a disorder that a few experience. Ah, and the problem it. is, you say, like, oh, I was depressed. Yeah, what happened? My uncle died. Yeah, that's supposed to depress you. 
Yeah, yeah. I lost my job. I got a divorce. Many things in life should depress you. And the yeah. trouble was for a long time, doctors were just, here, have some Prozac or whatever. It's like, he doesn't sure. have a clinical disorder. His mother died. Yeah, He's yeah. supposed to be depressed. You're supposed to feel that and hurt. Yep, yep. That's natural. It's part of the healing. If you stave it off, it's going to come out in a, another horrible it's way. Horrible. It's like yeah, exactly. covering your nose when you sneeze. It's just going to come out someplace else and destroy <laughs> more damage. But no, it, it's, and yeah. dep- depression and anxiety, same thing. If you're depressed a lot or all the time when it's yeah. not appropriate or you find the wrong way to look at things. I mentioned Richard Jenny, who eventually, of course, committed yep, suicide. Yep, yep. I remember talking to other comics about moments they had with that guy. That was like, mm-hmm. he said, wow, he's the same sensitivity that makes him so brilliant as a comedian. Right. Richard, Richard Pryor, same thing. Said, but it also makes a lot of things in life very painful. And, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. he was very, I guess, upset about not quite breaking as a movie or TV star. Right, right. Uh, but it's one of the greatest stand-ups of our generation. Absolutely. And I remember one of somebody say, hey, Rich, that was great. I saw your picture on the billboard. Yeah, they were supposed to do both sides. Like, Jesus, uh, talk about yeah. a glass is half yeah, empty. Yeah, that's dangerous you know, stuff. But then when it hits you and there's no reason for it and it's yeah. prolonged, it is. It's it's debilitating. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it, that that's a disorder at that point. And that's mm-hmm. what I was so scared of is because I'd seen that spiral in others. Yeah. And I had yet experienced it. Anxiety, yeah. as debilitating as anxiety is, and that's what I've normally have experienced. Okay. From the time I was 17, I had my first panic attack. Uh, but usually they would just hit out of nowhere. And for me, it would be more hypochondriacal fears, like the fear that you're dying. Right, right. You know, fear that like, you know, oh, oh, you know, oh crap, I can't, you know, I have migraines. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I can't see. Is this a stroke or just a migraine? Like, and that sure. would make you pa- paranoid. Spin off. And then if you're not breathing properly, then your body starts falling asleep, which scares you more. Like it would overtake yeah. my whole body. Yeah. And that was the part that eventually... You know, I got over, like I said, medication can help with that. Like uh, sure. Zoloft is a better anxiety one, okay. uh, as is Paxil. Zoloft and some of the other ones are more for, I'm sorry, uh, Prozac and some of the others are more for depression. Mm-hmm. But any of those that add those things, they can help. So I'm not arrogant in saying meds won't do it. But you yeah, need yeah. to have, actually, the confidence of conquering it. I had a migraine yeah. 15 minutes into a one-hour set one time. Oh. My vision went and I only have like a couple of years. I haven't even had one in, you know, sure. knock on wood in like three years. But I'm uh watching you closely. for migraines, uh, divorce. No. But I just say no, but I and I, I told the crowd what was happening because in case I mean one in case you fell over one in twenty of my migraines would be so bad they would be like many strokes where I would be babbling or saying sure, the wrong sure. words. I've I've heard of that I happen and it happened to me. And it, mm. so I warned them, I said, Look, I'm having a migraine. I don't think it's the kind where I'm gonna start babbling. But and I could see a lot of people in the crowd nodding because fifteen percent of the population has these has aura it. migraines. And that that vision disturbance is kind of a warning. It's like twenty minutes from now your head's gonna start <laughs> hurting. Get, get some Advil in you. So but it happened to be one where it was just the vision and I didn't really even get that much of the head pain. Okay. I, I did a half hour more. You played injured, man. I got off a little, you know, I was getting laughs. I just, I was blurry, but I could reach for my water. Nothing was falling. And I just sweated my way through it. I've, I've wow. had borderline panic attacks on stage. Like, like arm starts to fall asleep. What is, and, and that's all it is. An arm falling asleep shouldn't scare people. Right. But I'm like, why is my arm falling asleep? And you start thinking about it more and it gets yeah. worse. And, and, uh, it happened on a ship recently. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to keep talking. Just keep okay. talking. I know these words. I can say them. In my head, it's going to sound robotic, but mm. none of these people have heard this crap before, so they're not going to know. And it's hot. It's yeah. the Caribbean in the spring, late spring. <laughs> they're not going to blame me for sweating. So yeah. I, I just kept talking and breathing, and I reached and got a glass of water. I switched hands with the mic and did that. Did thing. You know, and, and ships rock, so I could stagger. They wouldn't care. Yeah. And so I, but eventually I calmed down and went through the set. Nobody was, was the wiser. It scared me a little bit. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, oh, I guess this can still happen. Yeah. But if it's the way you're wired, you're going to be dealing with it forever. It's just that is it a thing that you mm. know is happening and you're, yeah, I'm going to have to deal with this occasionally. Then you've beaten it. 
don't expect it to go away yeah. as your win because yeah. and, and no matter how bad it is when you're younger, usually people talk about the anxiety that gets worse as you get older is yeah. the kind that hits you as a late adult. Le- on late onset. Yeah, late yeah, onset. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. If you've dealt with it since you were younger, I, you know, it actually can get a lot better. But uh, yeah. I know, I know it's going to come and go in waves and I know one of the ways that it, because your anxiety is a natural impulse. It's trying to keep you away from danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it creates yeah. fight or flight. The trouble is, it's like, you know, you're, you're, the muscles in your arms are supposed to help you lift things and move out, but those bodybuilders have giant ones. They've over-exercised that muscle. Right. You know, they can lift things they would never need to lift. Yeah. That's what anxiety is, too. You've oh, built those yeah. muscles up from worrying so much that your anxiety is constantly trying to get you out of trouble, and there's no trouble there's really no there. There's no trouble. So wow, it creates a, ways to get rid of you. I you know? love the way you're describing it. It makes a lot of sense to someone who doesn't suffer uh, with it, you know, yeah. I, I think it's important. There's a lot of people out there probably hearing that and dealing with it. And I like to, I like to what you said, Chris, about, you know, the victory isn't, it's gone forever. It's actually here forever. No. How can you get through? And, it? No, and you know, and it doesn't stop you from doing anything. I remember yeah. my, my doctor getting a second opinion before my back surgery, him saying like, it was just a, a discectomy. One of the few back surgeries they're confident about. Okay. And he said, <laughs> and he had had it himself. And he goes, yeah. uh, I said, how is it? He goes, I feel it, but mm. it doesn't debilitate me. And I still do everything. Right. I play tennis and golf like I used to. Just I got to do my stretches before and after. Right. Same thing. I'm back in the boxing gym working out. Okay. I still do what I used to do. I just got to do my stretches afterwards. It's, it's this added step of life. Yeah. But if you talk to anyone about aging, those happen to everyone. Everyone, yeah. yeah. So you're gonna, some of you are going to need reading glasses earlier. Some of you are going to need surgery on your ear to make it here again. You know, you're going to need a stent put in your heart. The older we get, the more crap we get added to the living yeah. experience. <laughs> and the more, you know, nowadays, of course, doctors are all in your face telling you what's wrong with you because it's because doc- yeah. medicine, unfortunately, is a business. And this country. It so is. you're going to, my grandparents who walked around blissfully unaware that they were ever sick with anything, smoking, <laughs> drinking, eating red meat at every meal till they dropped dead in their mid sixties of cancer of the everything or whatever they had. But that's what happened funny. to them. Yeah. But nowadays it was like, I've known I've had high blood pressure since I was 33, but I got on meds right away. <laughs> right. People lived to BB like, King. What was he like? 90 diabetic yeah. before he passed away. So people yeah. live longer, but we're sick longer. Uh-huh. You know? uh-huh. Yeah, so I remember John Madden when saying there's more injuries in football because there's now more muscles that people have. It's yeah, just, exactly. You know, we know. Well, boxers fight twice a year at the higher levels, yeah. if that, and they're constantly canceling things because of injuries. But yeah, you're in the gym too damn much. Yeah. You're not, you first of all, rest yeah. more in between it, you know, and then actually fight. Yeah. You know, those those guys didn't get hurt hardly ever. So. Boxing, man. Boxing, that's always been a thing I've, I've known about you and of you yeah. too, is this love uh, and involvement in boxing. Yeah. Uh, it's not just that you're a fan. You, you, you got in the ring literally and figuratively, man. When you know, did that say? I, I did compete. That was, I was watching Rocky movies and just loved them uh, when I was like eight, nine years old. And my yeah. mother said, you know, you know, real boxing doesn't look like that. And it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, Rocky movies, especially the older ones, you'll notice. Because the Creed movies, they've gotten yeah. a lot better. Yeah, yeah. But in Rocky movies, like there's no defense or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, they're just swinging. Yeah. Head. And so, but she's, but back then, just like comedy, Boxing was on every network channel on the weekend. It was. So I started watching it. I remember Mike McKellen versus David Braxton, uh, Wilford Benitez versus Kevin Moley. Uh, I still remember Marvin Johnson, Leslie Stewart, one and two. Those are some of the first fights I saw on TV as a nine, oh. 10 year old kid. And uh, I was just transfixed. There were magazines you could yeah. find at stores. I would go buy them every month. And I just got, got into it and started watching it all the time. I'd watch on the Spanish channels. And yeah. I speak Spanish pretty well now, but yeah. back then I didn't speak it at all. So my dad would make fun of me and go, wow, you must really be a fan. <laughs> Fast forward after my brother and my daughter became club soccer players. Yeah. Now this man, who doesn't speak a word of Spanish, will watch <laughs> soccer in Spanish. Soccer in Spanish. Yeah. That's so awesome. so no, I, I just developed that passion. I made all my friends. I got gloves. I must have had like 100 backyard boxing yeah. matches with like the same 
12, 15 people. Because <laughs> there were no gyms. Yeah, there yeah. were no gyms on the West Side. Back in the day, you had to go to the hood. Yeah, and They yeah. didn't advertise, in the, and there was no internet, and you yeah. never found them unless you just found them in the neighborhood. So I found no place to box, really. Yeah. I, I did it myself. Of course, nowadays, the boxing gyms, you can find them anywhere. It's, it's, a, it's a trend right now. Well, yeah. MMA has taken boxing into middle-class neighborhoods. Yes. Everyone asked, like, MMA was going to hurt it. I go, no, it will help every fighting sport. Yeah. And I live in Torrance, which is where the Gracies yeah, landed yeah. when they came to the U.S. So you can't, and it's also a high Japanese and Korean population in nearby yeah. Gardena and North Torrance. So literally, you can't walk past a single minute. Every mini mall has some type of you know, taekwondo, karate, mm-hmm. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, an MMA gym. So, I mean, my kids, if they yeah. want to learn, my daughter got all the way to just below black belt in, yeah. in taekwondo before she stopped. And it was, yeah. so, and she barely even cared about it. But it, it, it's, it's at the end of the thing. block. It's just a thing. It's you, like it's, soccer back in the day. Yeah, exactly. ASO for me. So yeah, I, yeah. I wished I had that. And then, no, when I, in my early mid-20s, when I was getting out of grad school for psych, I said, let me give my two dreams an actual shot. Okay. I started going to gyms and I, I still I got a fight and and I won it but again it's hard to find heavyweights California most fighters are Mexican okay or maybe Korean or Armenian they're smaller Small. you know, nowadays there's there's more heavyweights out here now but right. there weren't we, I kept going to these places there was nobody for me to fight <laughs> I had a fight I won <laughs> it six, then six, I got distracted man. and then like about a week after 9-11 I remember I, I had booked my first road gig doing comedy which okay. I also started around the same time that's a great time for comedy uh, yeah, yeah exactly and, uh, and I was going in November and I had like a rough sparring session I had ringing in the ears and I was okay. like you know what this is the bad sport for a hypochondriac. I want to be looking in the mirror after every sparring session going, are my pupils the same size? I said, I'm not built for this. So after that, you know, I just sort of was a fan. I was a writer for websites around the same time. You know, no real money in it. A few times, I wrote for a few websites that paid me, but, uh, and a couple times for Boxing Digest, which was a magazine back then. Oh yeah. But, um, no, but then I, I, through doing boxing podcasts, I had a yeah. few that each lasted like six months, maybe yeah, 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 <laughs> maximum. Yeah. And, uh, I met, you know, promoters and this and that, and a couple that they'd record, you know, fight telecasts. I never did it on actual television, but like streaming sites. Yeah. And yeah, I was, I've, I've, last time I did it was about six, seven months ago, but yeah, I've, I, about two, three times a year, the last off and on about seven, eight years I do, you know, I get to do live fight commentary. Awesome. I said, I mean, I've been on Fraser awesome. Smith's, Radio oh, show. Yeah, yeah. And he grew up with the Goosens and like, uh, Joe Goosen, like yeah. Hall of Fame trainer, sitting there listening to me <laughs> tell stuff about his life. He's like, wow. I, he said That's at awesome. least three times, he goes, wow, I can't believe what you remember. And I go, it's just nice that it's not taken up in my head and I can't use right, it. Right, you know, right, 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 <laughs> if right. all that info is going to be in there, I want it to get out or be useful somehow. Uh, same with Star Wars and me. I got yeah, yeah, yeah. to write about it, talk about it because it's just there. Well, no, my fiance <laughs> and my son love Star Wars too. Oh, so man. I mean, I loved all the movies too, but yeah, it's yeah. like, but that for them, it was a different level. I understand. I, I boxed with my Star Wars figures. <laughs> so I See, even early on, who won? Yeah. Who won? Chewbacca, yeah, exactly. Darth Vader. Like, That's fascinating. It's yeah. funny. It's like a little, it's a little side dream, uh, you know, that's yeah. going to happen. No, it, and it was. And I remember Jacob Seroff, who's another comic, who's mm. a huge fight fan. There's a handful of us that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, my friend uh, Jeff May box, trains boxing oh, okay, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Luke Ashlock, when he's in New York now, but he, him too. And uh, he, he's had a bunch of amateur fights. But uh, yeah. there, you know, <laughs> he said the same thing to me. He goes, "Dude, you know, I, I have my dreams in comedy. Same, you know, same as everybody else." I said, but if I got to have like Max Kellerman's job, yeah, yeah, so I wouldn't care if I had to be a waiter the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't care if they paid me. If I got to be the HBO guy, and HBO, HBO got out of boxing. But if I got to be like right now, DAZN has all the fights, mm-hmm. but their commentary team is pretty terrible. Yeah. And, and I can say that not against them, but just, I know more, you, you know, know and more. it's very few things. Like I, a lot of people, we complain about things. Like I don't complain about a fighter's performance that often because I can't do better. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah I yeah, really will only complain with like, solution. Hey, I've seen that guy do better. Yeah, that's yeah. the only way I'd say it. Like if I don't think I can do better, I'm not going to say that, but as yeah. commentary, it's like, no, 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 no. Oh, if, yeah. I, if a commentator, cause like Fox, especially in the PBC, they'll hire ex fighters 
because they have a name recognition with the fans. That's and some of them are good and some of them aren't. Yeah, that's and, the and, But the broadcaster, the anchor, will just be a generic sports guy. He's got a good look and a good sound, but within two seconds, you can tell he does not know the sport. It's just a gig, and yeah. And diehards of anything can sniff out a casual in two seconds. Oh, yeah. And we don't have vitriol against them for being casual. We like to getting new people interested. Yep. But when they take a job that a diehard should have, yeah. we yes. get really upset about it. I mean, I see that with wrestling fans, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And I mean, I see that, you know, because the wrestling guys, the guys that usually yeah. would film us in boxing, they're mostly wrestling guys. But, yeah, they, yeah. you know, but they know the right setup. Anything with a ring or a cage, they the same it. production team can can take care of. Absolutely. And so, no, and I, I'm the, and there's three of us. One is a wrestling expert. The other is an MMA expert. And they do all those cards. But when they have a boxing card, they bring me in. Yeah, yeah. Usually, and um, and so that's why it's it, they can when diehards hear me, they know okay, he, he got he's it. whipping out obscure names. Like yeah, when you can make somebody who's been in the business 30 years go look up a name because you said it, like, who, who is that guy again? I'm like, that, that's how you know, you I know, love that man. I love the joy, I love the joy of those little passions oh, that yeah. uh, feed back into things like your comedy career. We're almost done here, Chris. Sure, but, uh, sure. No, thank you for great. coming in, been fun to catch up and get the, get the no, truth. Exactly. I, I think I some really valuable, out. yeah, yeah the, the stuff you you said, I think, is valuable uh, in your struggles and, and in your thoughts on it there. Um, but let's uh, let's end on a good note here with comedy. Uh, the albums, the big gigs, where can they find you? I want I want people to support you. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, normally because I am on the, when I'm on the road about a week or two out of the month doing the mm-hmm. cruise ships, when I'm in town, I don't do a ton of shows that aren't yeah. like maybe bar shows in the South Bay, and that's about it. So I don't have a ton scheduled locally or even in the country. Yeah, yeah. But if people want to hear me, like I said, like it's very cheap, very easy. You just go put, put in my name, Chris Strait, S-T, R-A-I-T into iTunes, Spotify, or just Google Chris Strait incorrectly correct or Chris Strait personal growth and all these, boom, boom, boom. yeah, and three of my hitting the wall and three CDs will pop up. Uh, you can go ahead and get you yeah, $7.99 for the whole CD or, you know, you can rent it too for even yeah. less. So, you know, whichever way you want to do, um, you know, put my name in YouTube, there's sketches on there as well. So yeah, they can definitely find me there, but just, just spell the straight like the body of water or the country singer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No GH in it. Not, not the direction. The direction. Uh, yeah. Chris, thank you so much for coming in, Napsack Files fans. Show him some love and uh, check out his comedy. I've been, uh, uh, you know, watching you. It's, I, even though I've been around you in a while, uh, you were always there, and it was fun to watch your work and so happy to see so see what you go through and what you've gone through, but to see you come out the other side with a wonderful, beautiful grayish beard. <laughs> Makes me very happy. Uh, that's Chris Strait, everybody. Check him out. This is the Napsuck Files. You know where to find me at Cadnapsuck. Go to cadnapsuck.com for more information on where to support me on patreon.com slash cadnapsuck or pick up my book, Why We Love Star Wars, available everywhere. Leave a review on Amazon. As Chris will tell you, that really helps with those does. dreaded algorithms. You'd be surprised how many people have absolutely zero. You put one review, liked it, took you two seconds, Boom. and we just entered a different category of yep. searchable things. It's so true. So give us a give us a help on my book, his books. Uh, please do. But that's it for now. The Knapsack Files rolls on. We'll see you later. Bye.